Welcome to the Doctority Canada Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Sheshav and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institutions. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today I am speaking with Dr. Eli Saleh, who is a second-year plastic surgery resident at the University of Montreal in Montreal, Quebec. Eli grew up in Montreal and went on to complete his undergrad, master's in biomedical sciences, and medical school at the University of Montreal. His interests include craniofacial surgery and peripheral nerve surgery. Eli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I'd love to get started with a big picture overview of what it's like to train at your program. Yeah, of course. So the program at University of Montreal uh, is a five-year total in plastic and reconstructive surgery. Uh, the first two years is what we uh, refer to as principles of surgery, where we cover um, a variety of other specialties. Uh, and that finishes with an exam, which we call the, the principles of surgery exam, uh, which is across all of Canada. Uh, and then for the last approximately three to three and a half years, it's purely plastic surgery focused. Uh, so that's the big picture of the program at University of Montreal. Uh, we're two residents taken per year. It's a completely bilingual program. Uh, so although a requirement of participating in the program and, and being uh, a resident in the program uh, requires you to speak French, the majority of the residents and of the staff members are English speaking. And what's the experience like on the different services? So both plastics and the non-plastic services. So as I mentioned before, the first two years of our training, well, it's actually until what we call P15. So the third month of your second year. Uh, we're in what we call POS, or in French, fondement, uh, which is fundamentals. So during those two years, we cover a variety of specialties at University of Montreal. Our, our program specifically is R1 and R2, PGY1, PGY2. We say R1 and 2 in French. So we'll cover two months of orthopedic surgery. We'll cover two months of ENT. We'll do two months of ICU, and that includes one, mo one month of trauma ICU at night and one month of a regular ICU. And then we'll also do months in things like Mohs surgery. So Mohs micrographic surgery, we'll do a month in that. We'll do a month in what we call oculoplastics. And we'll do two months of plastic surgery in our first year. And then our second year, we do two months uh, of plastic surgery in a pediatric center, two months of plastic surgery at a trauma center, and two months of research. So that's the gist of the first two years. Um, the particularity about our program, uh, I don't know how it is across all other programs in uh, in Canada, but I know, at least compared to my colleagues at McGill uh, and at the other French schools in Sherbrooke and Laval, we have what we call in our first year, garde départementale. So what that actually means is that our calls are, we cover all of uh, the surgical specialties. Pretty much it's an in-house call that you're there from either uh, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., And during that period of time, you cover all surgical specialties. So any patient that's hospitalized in any surgical specialty, whether it be orthopedic surgery, general surgery, urology, vascular surgery, you'll be the first call. So they'll call you as the junior resident, but you'll always have a senior resident of that specialty above you to refer to if need be. Although it's tough at first, it pretty much gives you a very good a grasp of how to handle all patients on the floor, deal with patients that are a bit less stable. Uh, and gain a lot of comfort relatively quickly uh, by doing that. And what are some of the different sites that you rotate through? 
So uh, as a junior, like I said, in, in our first and second year, the majority is at what we call uh, Hôpital Maisonneuve-Rosemont, so Maisonneuve-Rosemont Hospital, which is in the east end of the island of Montreal. Um, so the most of our R1 is covered there, including our two months of plastic surgery and most of our off-service stuff, like I had mentioned, orthopedic surgery, ENT, most of that is covered uh, at Maisonneuve-Rosemont Hospital. Aside from that, we will cover in our R2 in our second year, as I had mentioned, we do pediatric plastic surgery. Two months of that is done at Saint-Justine, which is probably one of the largest pediatric centers uh, in Canada alongside sick kids, um, which you get a variety and pretty much all the breadth of pediatric plastic surgery that can exist. Uh, and then we'll do also um, at Hôpital Sacré-Cœur. Hôpital Sacré-Cœur is a, a trauma center uh, in the north of Montreal, and we'll do pretty much our plastic surgery in those three main centers. So like I mentioned, Maisonneuve-Rosemont, uh, Sacré-Cœur, and Saint-Justine. We'll also, we also recently started covering uh, the CHUM, which stands for Centre Hospitalier de l'Université de Montréal, uh, and we'll do replant and call there. So once or twice a month, uh, starting at R2, halfway point of R2, we'll start covering replant, where we'll be able to go in with the staff that are on call and do replant. Are there any fellows at your program? So at Saint-Justine, they just started uh, having a fellow. It's the, actually the first year that they have one in craniofacial. So it's, a, it's quite a large craniofacial center. So it's the first year that we have a fellow there. Um, I haven't rotated there yet, but as per my colleagues and as per the staff, uh, it's actually been an excellent, uh, an excellent add to the team, especially because as juniors, we only do two months there. And then as seniors, we do four months, but we don't have that complete continuity. And having that fellow there that helps us follow our patients, especially on the floor, and that's there for two years is quite helpful. So that's the main center where we have uh, fellows. And as I had mentioned, we do Hôpital Maisonneuve-Rosemont. They're actually in the process, process of, of trying to organize a hand and wrist fellowship program there. But it's not, it's not something that's official just yet. So that's pretty much the only place we have a fellow for now. It's at the pediatric center. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Could you tell me a little bit about the research opportunities? So our program is trying to focus more and more on research. Uh, it's been something that, ha- that had been in the past def- a deficiency uh, in quotation of our program, but more and more the, the program is trying to build itself that research reputation. So our research director um, has a PhD and she's very solid in terms of her, her research background uh, and she offers support to all residents that, that are interested in doing, in doing research. Uh, we have recently incorporated a two-month uh, research block in R2 in your second year of residency where you can dedicate it, where it's supposed to be completely dedicated to to doing research and getting out some publications. Uh, There's also, I personally didn't participate in that because I hadn't done my master's before, but there's something called the the clinician researcher, as you probably know it, or the clinicien chercheur, like they call it in French, where you can do your master's uh, or even a PhD during your residency and be uh, essentially paid as a resident uh, while doing your master's or PhD years. So that is an option in the program. There aren't many in our plastic surgery program that do it, but there are a lot in the general surgery or even in the ENT programs that do it. Uh, but it is very strongly encouraged. So it's something that's becoming more and more fundamental to our program. And what kind of support is available for presenting research? So in general, our program offers residents in terms of financial support up to $500 a year for travel and for, uh, for presentations. They strongly encourage us uh, to go present at all the different conferences, whether it be the Canadian CSPS or even the Quebec conference, and obviously some of the American ones like the American Society of Hand and Peripheral Nerve, 
the AISPS conferences. So those are all strongly encouraged. And as I mentioned, we get some financial funding for it. And there's also, uh, in terms of our time that's off attributed to it, there's no difficulty in, 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 in terms of finding that time. Um, so our program will allow us the time off to go to these different conferences. Uh, and whether it be for if there's a lack of call coverage, the staff will assume that coverage in order for the residents to go and present at these conferences. That's really nice of them. <laughs> and uh, what are some limitations in terms of research at your institution? So like as I had mentioned before, it's always been something, it's something that is more recently being evolved. It hasn't always been our, the strong suit of our program. And it's not because of a lack of, of trying. It's, we, we do have a very, very heavy clinical volume uh, at our program. So there, there might sometimes be a lack of time to dedicate to research. And there hadn't always necessarily been the research support that, that, that's required to, to, to publish um, good and, and, and strongly evidence-based research. And, but uh, like I had said, more and more, um, we have research months that have now been attributed, which wasn't a thing in the past. Uh, and there are many staff, not only our research director, that are, that are directly involved in trying to get us research. Uh, and at the beginning of every academic year, we'll meet with some of the, um, the staff the attendings and especially our, our research director, and we'll go over some of the different ideas that they might have research-wise, uh, and we'll try and get those those problems those projects going. And speaking of uh, clinical volume, what's call like? So it depends on the center. Uh, it it's very dependent on the center. So as I mentioned before, we we mainly cover three centers. Um, at our first one, Hôpital Maisonneuve Rosemont, call is quite relaxed. I would say for most for the most part. That center is very heavy, uh, heavily focused on microsurgery. So that's where we do a lot of our flaps, uh, a lot of oncologic reconstruction. So there, generally speaking, will only be called uh, at night for anything that might be related to our flap, problems relating to the flap. Uh, otherwise, it can happen from time to time that you'll be called for things that are more urgent, like a, a necrotizing fasciitis or a compartment syndrome that you'll actually have to go in and assess patients. But otherwise, in terms of the, the emergency doctors at that center are very well equipped in to, to manage almost anything that's hand and wrist related. Uh, and we have a very good system that's set up with our, with our clinic there that a lot of patients will be seen overnight and then just be sent to our clinic. So as residents, we don't actually have to go in and see those patients. So that's for Maisonneuve-Rosemont. So call is relatively calm over there. Our second center, Sacré-Cœur, which is actually a trauma center, is a little bit busier in terms of call. Uh, that reason being that it's a trauma center, so we'll see cases of hand trauma, craniofacial trauma. At, at that center, all craniofacial trauma is directly covered by plastic surgery. There's no coverage by maxillofacial surgery or ENT. It's exclusively covered by plastic surgery there. So anything that's facial trauma will be directly relayed to us. So call might be a little bit heavier at that center. And finally, at the pediatric center, call is very variable. So it can be, sometimes it can be extremely calm, but the there we will be called relatively frequently to go and either debride burns there because it is the pediatric burn center in Quebec, or to close uh, complex lacerations that let's say the emergency doctors don't feel as comfortable closing. Um, so that's what call is mostly like over there. And what's the allied primary health practitioner support like? So we actually don't currently have uh, any uh, let's say nurse uh, practitioners or um, uh, we call them the ZPS. Des infir infirmières praticiennes spécialisées. So we actually don't have any of those directly working uh, in our program. They have been implemented in some other programs at University of Montreal, like general surgery, but we do not have that yet for our program specifically. 
Are there any opportunities for elective rotations? So yes, um, we currently have in our three, our four and our five, one month dedicated to elective or community as we call them, uh, rotations, where you can go to different community centers, uh, whether it be in, let's say, Gatineau or in northern areas of Quebec. We have some recent graduates that work in certain areas near Quebec City, certain areas near what we call Saint-Cenet-de-Lac-Saint-Jean, which is a bit more north in Chicoutimi. Uh, and our recent graduates started working there. So it's actually a lot of fun. We get to go there for like a month. Uh, you get a lot of exposure. You get to see the new the new different cities in Quebec. Uh, so we do have those opportunities for approximately uh, one month at our, our three, our four, and our five. And are there opportunities for global rotations or trips? Yeah. So some of our staff, specifically the ones working at the pediatric center, frequently go on trips for uh, cleft lip and palate repair, and they'll do that in different areas in Africa um, or in South America. Uh, it hasn't been something that's been that's been completely pursued by residents, I'd say, in the past. There hasn't been that many that have gone, but it's something that certain residents are trying more and more to, to, to incorporate themselves into. So, for example, our R5 was actually supposed to be going uh, in the coming months, but due to COVID, things have kind of slowed down, and he doesn't necessarily know if he'll be able to go. But there is opportunity for that. And we also have several burn surgeons that will also go on trips to do burn reconstruction. Uh, and that's also open to residents uh, if they'd like. Uh, what's the cosmetic experience like? So in terms of cosmetic experience, we only have uh, approximately four to six months in our fifth year of residency where we are exposed to cosmetic surgery. There are a lot of cos- cosmetic surgeons that work that are affiliated to the University of Montreal. So some of our attendings that also do cosmetics we're able to go to their private practice and work with them. There are also other ones that don't necessarily work in hospital, but are affiliated to our program. So we're able to go and observe with them as well and work with them as well. Uh, but that's mostly in PGY5. Do you guys have a resident cosmetic clinic? We currently don't. It's actually something that uh, the jun- more junior residents like myself and my co-resident have been trying to to get going because we think it'd be something that'd be actually quite quite interesting and quite uh, and quite useful. Uh, and it does exist in other programs across Canada. So it's something that we're looking to try and implement. Uh, logistically, it's a little bit more difficult here in Quebec, but it's something that we're working towards. Is there experience with gender affirmation surgery? Uh, there is. Um, actually, in Quebec, in, in, in Montreal, there's something called the Centre Métropolitain de Chirurgie. And it's actually the largest gender affirmation surgery center in the world. Wow. Where they do, uh, yeah, where they do um, almost the... The most, they have research projects and they have, well, not even publications yet, but they have databases where they have up to 400 cases a year, where in the largest research projects that you'll see in the literature, there's only about about 80 over a two-year period. So it's actually the, the largest center in the world. People from all over the world come for, for to this center for, for gender affirmation surgery. It's actually essentially a private hospital, uh, the only one of its kind in Quebec uh, that's dedicated to that. And we have several staff that, that, that work there, some that do, um, well, female to male, others that do male to female, and then a lot of facial feminization surgery with staff that are familiar with, uh, with craniofacial surgery. That's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> are there any other perks about your program that you'd like to share? Just in general, our program is, uh, as I had mentioned, a very bilingual program, uh, I think that for all residents, especially if you if you have even the, the the obligation to speak French is more to communicate with I would say your patients. 
But I think once you have that down pack, it, it, it gives you a very big ben- benefit to be able to speak those two languages, especially living in, the, in, in Montreal. Our program also has every year uh, at least two what we call, um, but it's pretty much like a, 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 not days off, but days where we, as a program, all the residents with our program director and some of our staff will go and do like fun activities. So for example, earlier this year, we went to Tr- Journée Bien-être. The day of well-being. <laughs> so we'll go to, for example, uh, last year we went to Tremblant, we did a hike, and then one of our staff that has a place there, we went to his house in the evening, had a barbecue, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we recently went go-karting uh, at an electric go-karting place, which was a lot of fun. We have one coming up uh, in the next month where we're going skiing as a program. So we have a lot of these things that are implemented in our program, which is a lot of fun. Uh, most plastic surgery programs in general are quite small. Ours were only 10 residents across the five years, so it's everybody's pretty close. Uh, and there's no personality clashes. Everybody gets along, which is, I think, a perk of our program. Uh, I guess just also for our listeners, are loops covered as part of the perks? No, unfortunately, they are not. Um, you do have to pay for your own loops. But I mean, I think it's I, when I looked at it in terms of buying my loops, it's more of an investment. It's something you're going to keep relatively long term. There's also a, ver- a variety, like in your second, in your first year of residence, you'll be presented with all the different reps uh, and you can choose whatever loops you want. There's obviously some more expensive ones, some cheaper ones. It's, on, it's, it, it's uh, resident dependent, but I saw it as, uh, as, as an investment and it's something that you're going to use for a long period of time. So, but no, unfortunately they are not covered. <laughs> Do you receive any special training courses uh, like flap courses or anatomy lab time? Yeah, so I actually forgot to mention this, but uh, this is a huge perk of our program. In our first year of residency and our second year of residency, the second month, so P2 of both of those years, we have a rotation where the residents, the first and second years, go together to Trois-Rivières. Uh, Trois-Rivières is approximately an hour, an hour and a half away from Montreal. Uh, and there's an anatomy lab there with a specialized anatomist. And in the first year, you pretty much spend a month just doing anatomic dissections where you learn anatomy from head to toe. It's slightly focused towards plastic surgery, but it's pretty much just learning the musculoskeletal anatomy from head to toe. In your second year, you go back, same period of time. So the residents are all together. We actually live together. We get an apartment, all four of us. It's a lot of fun. It's a good like bonding experience as well. Uh, and in the second year in R2, you go and it's pretty much flat focused. So you have, we have an anatomy, we have a, a guide which goes through pretty much all the different flaps that exist in plastic surgery, whether it be DEPs or ALTs or uh, LAD dorsies. Uh, and, we, and we have two cadavers, one for each resident, and they're injected with what we call, uh, well, it's pretty much latex injection, in, injections into the vessels. Uh, and they're teal embalmed cadavers, meaning they have a much more real feel. And pretty much you're able to dissect your flap, find your vessels, dissect them down to their source, uh, and lift a flap as you would do in real life. So you're, you have a full month of every single day dissecting flaps. And that opportunity allows you, once you get to the, your first time dissecting a certain flap in the OR, although it's not necessarily the same, obviously, but you've seen it and you've seen the anatomy and you've done it. So it's a great, great, great experience. And not only is it a great experience in terms of learning anatomy and learning flap dissection, uh, we also have some of our staff that will come for a couple of days in a month uh, and we'll do different things. Like last year, we had a craniofacial staff come. Uh, we had the whole team of, um, of Dupuy Synthes. It's a, it's a rep company that came and they brought all the materials and we were able to do uh, craniofacial fractures and repairs on the cadavers, which was really, really, really fun. 
and you'll have other staff come and show us different approaches um, to the hand and wrist. So it's, it's, it's a really cool experience. And um, like I said before, all four residents are living together. So it's a good bonding experience. The days are short. We end at three o'clock. We get to go out for drinks together. We get to go do mini putting or whatever it is. So it's a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, so that's our dissect. That, that's our exposure in terms of anatomy. We do twice a year also as residents are one, two, three, four, and five have days where we'll go to the anatomy lab in Montreal at one of our hospitals and we'll do different dissections. So sometimes, sometimes it'll be anatomy of head and neck. Sometimes it'll be anatomy of upper extremity. Sometimes it'll be lower extremity. Sometimes it'll be trunk. But we really get a full anatomic exposure and we'll do that twice a year. And lastly, we do two days of microsurgery a year where we actually do microsurgical dissection. We'll, we'll lift, um, we'll dissect out the femoral vessels on a live rat. So the, the rat is actually anesthetized. Uh, we'll dissect out the femoral vessels, we'll clip them, and then we'll do microsurgical anastomoses on the artery and vein. And it's pretty much the equivalent size of uh, a pediatric uh, digital vessel, so it's quite small, but it gives us really good practice on how to do microsurgery. And then you can even check the patency of your anastomoses because it's a live rat, so you can you lift your clips and you see the blood flowing through it. So that's actually a really, really great experience. So you get microsurgical experience really from the beginning of R1. That sounds like really good exposure. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. <laughs> what area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in? I, at our program, I would probably say um, it would be microsurgery. I think, like I mentioned before, from R1, you get a lot of exposure. I think at our, at our main center for microsurgical reconstruction, like I had mentioned to you, Maisonneuve-Rosemont, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of reconstruction. It's the, the, main, it's the main Quebec center for, for uh, sarcoma resection and sarcoma surgery, and those often uh, require oncologic reconstruction. There's, all, there's also a quite large uh, head and neck oncologic service there, uh, so that of, often also requires a lot of reconstruction. And more and more, there's um, breast reconstructive surgery that's being done at that center as well. So there's, there's some periods of time where you'll have three, four, five free flaps a week uh, and often you're one or two residents, so both of you are getting a lot of a lot of exposure in microsurgery. So I'd probably say that's the the number one strength of our program. If I had to, if I had to pinpoint something. If you had to, uh, how would you improve your program? It's tough to say. Our, our program is is honestly um, has gone. I would say a revamping in the last ten years. Um, the program was mainly focused at one of the other centers, the SHIM, and has now transitioned towards the Maisonneuve-Rosemont. There was also a switch in our program director, um, and our new program director has just been fantastic with everything that she does. Um, she, she's really, uh, she listens to pretty much everything the residents have to say, which is, um, which is something that I find super important. Anything that we're not comfortable with, anything that we think might need a bit of tweaking, um, she's really, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, I'm losing my words, but she's à l'écoute. Meaning she, she's really, uh, she hears out everything we have to say and she, she listens and she, she takes action. Uh, for example, recently we're, uh, we had been discussing, so we have another strength of our program, which I had forgot to mention as well, uh, is what we call sujet de moi, where every month we cover a certain topic in plastic surgery. So we'll have a course at the end of every month, or it could be in the middle of every month, on one topic of plastic surgery. For example, the one coming up this week is eyelid reconstruction. So we'll have um, a professor come and give us a lecture on eyelid reconstruction. There'll also be a resident that, that'll give a little presentation on it. And we have an exam on that subject as well. And we do that every single month. And we cover over a two-year period all uh, subjects of plastic surgery. 
So the idea is, is that over your residency, you've covered pretty much, you've done all your readings two and a half times. So that way, before you get to your, your, your Royal College exam, you've pretty much covered the majority of what you're ever going to need to read. And when you start reading for your Royal College, it's a lot of revision. It's not something that you're seeing for the first time. So that's, that's one of our the strengths that are, of our program. But a lot of the time in, in recent months, we, they, we were given a topic and we weren't necessarily sure what to read, what the, were there selective readings that we, that we should be covering. So we brought that up to the attention of our, of our program director. And right away, it was, this was about two weeks ago, and right away she's implemented a new, a new practice where she'll send us an email with the exact topics that we need to cover with the selective readings, four or five, four or five uh, different articles or resources. Uh, and that'll guide us with what we need to study for that exam. And in terms of what we need to know for general island reconstruction, for example. So like I said, I think our, our, our program director has, uh, there's been a big revamping in our program in the last 10 years. Our program director and not only her, the all, all, all staff and attendings in our program have done an excellent, excellent job at improving the program uh, at University of Montreal. So you've already um, talked a little bit about your program director. Now I would love to hear a little bit more about the other department leadership. So if you have chairs and chiefs. For sure. So um, at St. Justin, we have a, a program chief. He actually uh, is a pediatric plastic surgeon. He works also, he works at the pediatric center. He's the chief there, but he also works at Maison of Rosemont, as I had mentioned. He serves not as a co-director, but he, he's very involved in the program. He's heavily been more recently involved in research. He also is has been um, uh, implementing a new program at, at Maisonneuve-Rosemont, where we're becoming the main center in, in Quebec for uh, aloe transplantation. So he was actually the, the surgeon that performed the first face transplant in Canada. I don't know if you heard about it. That's awesome. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> so he was the surgeon that performed the first face transplant in Canada. And now uh, at that center, it's becoming the main uh, aloe transplantation center in Quebec. Where there, uh, we have other patients lined up for facial transplantation, for hand and upper extremity transplantation. Uh, so it's it's a process that's in the works and that's rapidly evolving. So he's one of the main program leaders, I would say. Uh, we also have recent graduates that have been very heavily involved in the program. A, a recent graduate that's now what we call the Directeur d'Enseignement du Programme. Um, he's also a hand and wrist surgeon that works at Maisonneuve-Rosemont, but he's highly involved in the program. We have other staff that work at the other centers. So every center has one specified uh, staff that takes care of the residents at that center. Uh, and they're all heavily involved in the program. The program committee meets uh, once every couple of months to go over the different topics. And the residents play a role in that, where you have one leader for the junior residents, that's an R3, and one for the senior residents, that's an R5. So an R3 and an R5 that are present at those meetings. And that take the input from all the different residents that really focus on on continuous uh, improvement of the program. Could you tell me a little bit more about what uh, it's like to work with the program leadership that you just described, or just other staff in general? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to state because it, it's just such a great experience for all the residents. I think that um, there's a perfect balance between almost friendship and admiration and leadership by our staff. So they they. They treat us like like friends. They 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 let they let us, but they're also they also serve as teachers, and they give us autonomy, but they also give us support. So it's a, kind of that perfect balance where we love our staff, we love working with them. They're super attentive to us, and they're super caring towards us. and And you develop personal relationships with them. You, it's not just like oh, that's my staff, and you go home and move on. They're they're people that you're you deal with on an everyday occasion. Our program director like refers to us as her second mother. She's like always there for us, 
No, but it, even even when it, even when it's not something that has nothing to do with plastic surgery, just personal life things, they're there for us. But at the same time, we we have a high level of respect for them. We know our bound our boundaries, obviously, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the, the the relationship with all of our staff is, is just excellent. I, I have nothing negative to say about it. As far as you know, do you foresee any upcoming changes in the faculty in the next few years? Um, n- nothing major. I think our program um, and most of the, 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 the involved staff are quite young um, and are quite early. Like I had said, the program under, underwent a revamping. The program director has only been there for about four to five years. Some of the new, like, like I mentioned before, some of our recent graduates that are now the director d'enseignement, so the, the head of teaching, he just started that role. So most of the most of the people that are involved in the program are relatively young, uh, and are I assume planning to keep those roles for the foreseeable future. Uh, what kind of roles do residents play in the department decision making? So that could be in terms of choosing new faculty or new residents. So in terms of choosing new faculty, I don't think they play a, a large role. I think they do They do play a large role in terms of choosing future residents. I think especially as senior residents when you're the third, fourth, and fifth year, um, it's no secret, but we work mostly with the medical students. So we get the best picture of, uh, of who the medical students are. And I think that gives us the best picture alongside the staff because they also work with the med students. But that gives us a very good picture of who the med students are. So the staff are really... Uh, they they really want to hear what we have to say, which is, I think, a very important thing. Uh, they want to know who we like. They want to know who we didn't like. They want to know pretty much everything from our perspective. And as I mentioned before, our threes and our fives do play a role in um, uh, in, in, in the uh, réunion de comité, like I mentioned before, the staff reunions every couple of months. There's always an R3 and an R5 that take that, that, that play a role in, in deciding different things from our pro, for, for our program, for the future of our program. So we do have quite a large role, and I do consider that a strength of our program. Uh, and now I'd like to hear a little bit more about the logistics of how residents live. Do most residents own or rent? Um, I think it's, a, it's quite a, a variation. Um, there are some that rent, there are some that live. Unfortunately, our hospitals are, all, are not all focused in a small vicinity. They're quite far from one another. Um, so there's certain areas where you try and find yourself to, to, to be a little bit more centralized that you have access to all three of those hospitals. Uh, a lot of residents will live in, in downtown Montreal, uh, which is approximately about a 15 to 20 minute drive from every single center, which is not bad if you avoid the Montreal traffic. There are also um, some residents, like I had mentioned before, some have bought condos down in downtown Montreal. Uh, some, some are renting. I'm currently renting, but I know some of my colleagues that are buying uh, there are also residents that live in another area called Rosemont, which is not far from that hospital, uh, one of our main hospitals, and it's also not far from the other one. So there's quite a large variability in the lifestyle choice. Of, and I think it's really resident dependent on on where they are, I guess, financially, so to speak, and, and what their interests are. You know what I mean? And you mentioned this briefly, but is it necessary to have a car? Um, I would say yes, just because the the hospitals are not in, in a very close proximity there are different like car um, rental services in Montreal called something like Communauto, where you can it's like a kind of kind of like an Uber, where you can uh, book a f- book a car on your phone and then take it from one place to the next. And all the hospitals are within the vicinity that you're allowed to park those cars. Uh, but as a general rule, I think it it is it is needed uh, in order to get around, just because it's not like all hospitals are in a very short distance to one another. I think it's uh, it would be quite difficult to get around with that. Are you ever in a situation where you have to go to multiple sites in one day or within one rotation, or is it just generally 
one site per rotation? So generally speaking, uh, it's one site per rotation. There are certain centers where like, for example, at Maison of Rosemont, that encompasses what we call Sius de l'Est. So it's a center that covers all the East End of Montreal. And there are two main hospitals or three main hospitals that are involved in that center. So while all of our hospitalized patients at our main requirements will be at Maisonneuve, there are two other centers that our staff will operate at. So if there's nothing going on that day at one center, we can go to that other center to do surgery. For example, there's one that's five minutes away from, from Maisonneuve. So you'll go, you'll round your patients in the morning, and then you'll drive to the other center, which is approximately a 45 second drive down the street. Uh, and a lot of and two of our surgeons will do most of their hand and wrist surgery over there. So you'll do a little bit of movement in that sense. And same thing with Sacré-Cœur, where you'll be moving from there. And there's two other hospitals in the nearby vicinity, like Jean Talon and Fleury, where if there's nothing going on at that hospital, you can go to those other ones and operate with some of the staff and the attendings that are working there. And what is the breakdown of residence in terms of people being single, married, or having kids? Um, again, quite variable. Um, I don't think any of us have kids at the moment. Um, we're quite young. I think in, in Quebec, um, there's something that we call pre-med. I don't know if you know what that is, where it's, uh, instead of doing your three years undergrad or four years undergrad for you guys, we'll do just one year and it's directly part of the medical school program. So instead of doing th four years and then your four years of medical school, we'll actually do just a five year medical school program right out of CGEP. So essentially right out of, it doesn't really, grade 13 doesn't exist, but we have two years of CGEP in Quebec. So pretty much I'll do five years directly um, as compared to other programs across the country. Um, so as I had mentioned before, I don't think any of them currently have kids. I'm pretty sure none of them do. And um, it's quite variable. Some of us, um, I'm just trying to go through them in my head. One, two are married. And I think all the other ones are in relationships. There might be one or two that aren't, but most of them are in relationships. I mean, you try and find the balance in your in your personal life. And what do you like about living in Montreal? I mean, I grew up here, so I'm biased. I love the city. I think it's a great city. Um, it has a lot of culture. Being the fact that it's bilingual, uh, you get a you, you get a little bit of everything. I think downtown Montreal is also a, a great place uh, because you have some of the best restaurants in the country or in North America. You have great, great ambiance anywhere you go. Bars are fun. Uh, it's just a great and exciting city to live in. Um, obviously, COVID kind of slowed that down. But in general, it's 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 just a, it's it's a fantastic city, and I have nothing bad to say about it. Uh, so I was I was really fortunate to be able to not only do my medical school here, um, but to also do my my my, my plastic surgery training here. Uh, and I also have my whole family that lives here, which kind of makes it uh, all the more fun. So that's most of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, are there any final thoughts about either your program or about the process of choosing a residency that you'd like to leave us with? Um, I think in general, we welcome, we're a program that really strongly welcomes residents from not University of Montreal. There are some programs that have a tendency to take their own students only. Uh, we don't necessarily have that tendency. We're welcome to all students uh, from wherever it be in the country. Unfortunately, French is kind of a, pre a prerequisite to be, able, to be able to participate in our program, but we are really the only bi completely bilingual program. So most, as long as you can get by in French, you're welcome here. So I think that's something that, that, that should be known for everyone listening. I think, secondly, our program really is, is strong, as I mentioned, in, in all spheres of plastic surgery. We have great clinical exposure to all facets of plastic surgery. 
the resident team is really, really fun. Our staff are really nice, exciting, and fun as well. Uh, and they cover pretty much all the breadths of all the different subspecialties in plastic surgery. So, I mean, I think our, our program is really a great one. Uh, all residents are always welcome to come and rotate with us. I think that's also something that's quite important. Yeah, although it's not an obligation, it's it's strongly it's tr- strongly encouraged, I should say, for residents for for med students to come and try and rotate at at some of our facilities to at least meet some of the residents and the staff, and obviously that gives you a little bit of a head start in terms of your uh, of your application process to the University of Montreal. So I would say those are pretty much the strong the strong suits and the the key points. Uh, obviously, being being not not only being a good clerk on your plastic surgery rotations, but being a good medical student and being a a good clerk on all your rotations. Uh, we don't just look at at what the what what the student did uh, during his plastic surgery rotations. We really have a look at how he was as a clerk throughout his whole medicine because we don't only want plastic surgeons; we want doctors and and and, and physicians that are that are well rounded. Thank you, uh, and I'd like to end on a question for our listeners. Could you please ask our listeners your favorite plastic surgery related pimping question? That's a good one. I, I usually, uh, I'll try and find something that's directly related to, to the, the surgery we're currently doing. So if we're in the OR, um, I'll try and find something that's directly related to the surgery, whether it be related to wound healing or and usually hand and wrist, a classic one that, that I'll go to is uh, the, compart- the, the extensor compartments in the wrist um, or if we're doing something in the carpal tunnel, the limits of the carpal tunnel uh, and its borders. I think those are classic questions that, that med students will be asked. And if you know it, all the better. Uh, if you don't, it's okay. Don't stress it out too much. It happens. That's pretty much it, yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Eli. Yeah, of course. It's been my pleasure. I thank you, uh, it's been, uh, it's been, It's been a lot of fun. Um, I hope every, all the listeners really uh, got a feel for my passion and for my love for my program at University of Montreal. I think it's a great one. Uh, and I encourage you all to come on rotation and to apply uh, if plastic surgery is something that interests you. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Canada Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast platform and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions and suggestions. At this point, I'd like to give credit to Jenna Stair for founding Doctority and making all of this possible. Anyways, thanks again for listening. See you all next time.